Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. Amanda Renteria is the first Latina chief of staff in the history of the U.S. Senate. More than a pleasure to have her with us this afternoon. She was the Democratic nominee for the U.S. House of Representatives from California's great 21st Congressional District a couple of years ago in 2014, and she currently is serving as Hillary Clinton campaign's national political director. Amanda, good afternoon and welcome. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I, you know, I got to say, I've been waiting for... Uh, I've been waiting for Secretary Clinton to be my president since 2008, and I'm, I'm holding my breath. We're 13 days away. Everybody worries about some kind of an October surprise. Julian Assange has all these threats with uh, WikiLeaks. But you look at the polls, whether on a national level, a battleground state, and certainly when you look at the numbers for the Electoral College, uh, she has a huge uh, advantage and a huge ground game advantage over her opponent, Donald Trump, at this point, correct? That's right, and that's really, um, we've known that from the beginning, that when it comes down to it, you've got to get the votes, and it's that door-to-door effort, that grassroots effort that really does uh, put you over the edge and make sure that at the end of the day, everyone's truly engaged in the campaign. You know, one of the things that, you know, I have talked about is that this, in my opinion, is one of the reasons you want somebody who has political experience, because this is somebody who has, with you and many others in her campaign, built a field team in swing states across the nation, larger than the U.S. Army Brigade, arguably. Uh, that gives her a huge advantage over him. And the knowledge of how to run a campaign, because, you know, she's run a campaign for president before. She's also run a campaign uh, for Senate, and she was with her husband throughout two presidential campaigns, in total, I think, three gubernatorial campaigns. So this is something she knows well. She knows the ground game very well. That's right. And, you know, we we have an incredible team, but we do have a candidate who really does understand operations and logistics. And, you know, at the end of the day, Hillary Clinton has always been someone that says, what are the results? How can we get it done? And when you think about a campaign, you can never quit focusing on Election Day. You can never quit focusing on all those days leading up to early vote. And how are you going to get the logistics right? How are you going to get those relationships right? And how are you going to make sure you put in a structure that can produce the votes that you need? And so that really has been our strategy from the very beginning, is knowing that our, you know, we have to make sure we're not just bringing people into the campaign to be online or to be on social media, but we're getting people involved in the campaign to empower communities to come out and act, to come out and vote. And that's been a really exciting piece of this campaign is now we're beginning to see all of that grassroots that was laid. It's really coming to fruition. And we couldn't be more excited about the early numbers we're seeing in voter registration and early vote numbers. 
in our battleground states, but also just across the country in general. And, you know, speaking of job creation, I want people to know that there were over 5,000 people who were employed <laughs> by Hillary Clinton as part of her staff, and specifically across, I'm going to say now, 15 battleground states. We've really never seen this many battleground states in modern-day elections, have we? No, we haven't. And it's been a long time where we've seen a very tightly coordinated uh, Democratic Party bringing out the vote up and down the ticket. And that, too, is as exciting because it really does allow us to build the kind of full team in every state we possibly can, and certainly even going deeper into our battleground states where I happen to be in Miami right now. She was just on the stage uh, yesterday with Patrick Murphy, and today I know she's back out on the road again with Patrick Murphy, and we'll be doing that across the country. You'll see Senate candidates for Senate on the stage with her. She'll be calling out uh, different battleground races that we believe we can actually rebuild the party and make sure that we're willing, winning down ballot as well because she's always been focused on is not just winning the White House but making sure that she has key partners across the country. We're going to talk about how campaigns are won on the ground. We're also going to talk about some of that early voting and what it signifies, especially in the great state of Florida, where I used to live, Miami, where I started my talk radio, talk radio career, met my husband actually years back, and actually had some uh, appearances on Miami Vice. Amanda Renteria is the first <laughs> Latina chief of staff in the history of the U.S. Senate. She is serving right now as Hillary Clinton's campaign national political director. Uh, we're going to, guys, how much time do we have before break? Okay, we're, um, uh, I'm going to ask a question, Amanda, and you can ponder it during the break because you may not have enough time to answer. Um, well, well, actually, right now I have heard that Democrats are out en masse uh, registering to vote but also casting early ballots. Are those reports true from where you are in Miami, Florida? Yes, they are. And that, um, you know, you do a lot of this work and you lay a lot of these programs in, but you really don't know how effective they are until you start to see those signs of – Voter registration was our first key indicator that our programs were working, that our grassroots was working, our relationships were working. But the second is then seeing that translate into early votes. And we're excited about the indications that we have out there, and it's really across the country. I mean, whether you're talking about Florida and what we're seeing here with over 30% more Hispanics voting this year than in 2012, or what you're seeing even in Nevada um, large Latino population, and we're seeing 20% increases in Democratic support out there. Um, not as broken down by demographics. It depends on the state whether or not we can get that demographic data. But what we can get is we are seeing higher levels, historic levels of Hispanics and Latinos voting. And, and I want to talk about that, Amanda. Hang on. We're going to hold that thought, sure. please. We're going to take a quick break. Amanda Rentaria, first Latina chief of staff in the history of the U.S. Senate and serving as Hillary Clinton's campaign national political director. Back after this. Amanda Renteria is our guest. She is first Latina chief of staff in the history of the U.S. Senate, and she serves as Hillary Clinton campaign's national political director. Amanda, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Uh, before we take uh, some uh, calls, uh, talk, talk to folks about this. Lily Adams, who you know is spokeswoman for the Clinton campaign, said, quote, campaigns are one on the ground, which is why we invested early to organize and register voters in this historic election. Can you explain to folks why that is, why campaigns are one on the ground? Right, because, you know, all of us who follow politics really think that everybody's watching, everyone's in it, and they've been in it from the very beginning. But the truth is, it you know, by the time people get engaged, let's say these last two weeks, if you're not registered to vote, there is no opportunity to vote. And so we looked early on and said, 
you know, we've got to make sure that we broaden our base as early as possible so that when it comes to Election Day, not only do we have a chance at getting their vote, but perhaps we've even early voted, and now we can, use, we can have them come on the campaign and have an even more robust volunteer base. But part of that early registration is really important for building a relationship with your voters as well. And we have heard time and time again that campaigns often care about the last two weeks well, you can't build a relationship in the last two weeks, and sometimes you can't even vote in the last two weeks if you haven't registered. So we really took a long-term approach to these relationships, made sure that we were not just registering to vote, but that through this time of registration to early vote, we were educating people on the process and what you have to do. Um, as it turns out, voting is complicated at times. And we are lucky that this year it's, it's the easiest that's ever been. Um, we've had a lot of court wins that have really made it easier, but people don't know necessarily what they need or where they need to go, and we wanted to make sure there were no questions about where you can go. So we actually built IWillVote.com to help in that effort. I, I want to talk also about, uh, you know, I've always said I live in Southern California, um, a, a state that has a huge, as Donald Trump would say, Latino population. And, you know, I've said when I see some of the numbers, I, I've said, look, in Arizona, in California, in Florida, Latinos, you need to get out and represent, y'all. That's, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying, especially after Donald Trump has made such disparaging remarks about the Latino community, not just those from Mexico and relatives of those here uh, that come from Mexico, their fathers and mothers and grandparents uh, as well. But we we are seeing that, aren't we? I mean, we're I mean, for people sure. for Donald Trump to say the polls aren't right, maybe he's right. The polls aren't right. Maybe she's much farther ahead than the polls would show. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've always you know, my dad is actually from Zacatecas, Mexico. I've always been uh, I've always been interested in seeing how polls really deal with the Latino community as well as how campaigns deal with the Latino community. And there is something that is different about our campaign is from the very beginning, we took this notion that we hadn't quite figured out how to truly what people call wake up the sleeping giant. This year, this election, we really tried a lot of different things, and I think that'll be some of the conversation after this election, is what are those things that we tried that really made a difference, whether it was bilingual, using bilingual ads, using our digital space differently, making sure just yesterday she was on El Gordo y la Flaca, which is a very, very popular show, um, making sure we were in venues and places where we could have a direct conversation with voters and families, and then taking that relationship and then providing the logistics and the know-how. I know when I ran for Congress, you knock on a door and they say, Mika, of course I'm going to vote for you. Now, when is the election? And, and where do I go? And if we could just make that conversation easier and faster and really bring it to your phone, we knew that that would really, that's really taking away a big obstacle that many of our working Latino families face. Um, and even more so when you can say, and you know what, it doesn't have to be on just this day. It's a month of early voting. You can go in any day. Let's make a plan and let's do it. You know, one of the things I have said, and and I hope, uh, and I think you'll you'll understand when I say this, Amanda, because I don't mean this in, in any negative whatsoever. But when, you know, people would say, oh, the polls don't show this in the Latino community, um, you know, or, oh, you know, those people aren't showing up to vote. I've met a number of people here in Southern California um, that are working class Hispanics and that 
the time frame they just can't get from work and they mm-hmm. work you know more than 40 hour weeks and often six or seven days a week sometimes it's just not convenient by five six or seven p.m especially in a place like california if you don't have a car and if you know it's not like in la you're going to hail a cab like in new york or even though we have a public transportation system sorry it's just not you know uh, on par with that of washington dc or well you know where you are in miami it's not the same in miami as it is in new york city or washington dc either even though people can take buses and you know, or, you know, get Uber or cab and that's expensive as well. So I think uh, the, one of the reasons we're seeing this is because a lot of people who are working class in the Latino community, they don't work nine to five. They work before nine and through after five and, you know, six or seven days a week. This is essential for those and other people who are working class in other demographics. That's exactly right. Is you know a lot of this really is thinking through logistics for many families. I mean, this is true when you go into any working class community where you got to take care of the kids. You, your job isn't exactly nine to five. You got to figure out how to get home or get there. There's so many of those questions, and if you're relying on one day, a Tuesday, you know, in the middle of the week, no less. Uh, that just makes it incredibly difficult. And we, and that was really what was behind the IWillVote.com and the VoyaVotar.com is to make sure that people had a place where they can go to find out what do I need to bring, when can I go, where is my site. And the more we can educate folks on that, it, it's incredibly important. But the second thing I'll say that's different in this, in this election is that Latinos, Hispanics have been front and center in this campaign from the very beginning, whether that was Donald Trump and his negative rhetoric or whether that was Hillary Clinton and her dreamers circle in Nevada. And so I think it's the first time that it's much easier for Latinos to see across the country why elections matter and recognize that people are really watching what Latinos are going to do. Right? This rhetoric, this negative rhetoric that Trump has done, what I've heard when I've gone around the country, is we've got to stand up to this guy. And I think there's a real message there. Um, the last thing I'll say about this is for many Latino communities, for many Hispanic families, politics is not really something you talk about at the kitchen table. And because of that, you kind of grow up not really involved in the political sphere. I believe we have now created an entire generation of kids and families who will have now talked about politics at the kitchen table. And I think that really does change the way Latinos think about politics going forward. And I'm hopeful that this engagement in this election cycle actually has even larger impacts because kids will have talked about this. My kids will have talked about this, not just because I'm a Latina, but because they're talking about their schools and they themselves see themselves in this election. And so, you know, I think we are really seeding a future that we're all going to be better for. I also want to ask you, especially as a Latina American and, and as, as a woman, um, Amanda, was it not just the first comments in the Hispanic community that Donald Trump had about Mexico, they don't send us their finest, and he'd never said illegal immigrant, never said undocumented <laughs> worker. He basically was alluding to all as rapists and murderers. Um, did the Alicia Machado uh, you know, situation and, and the comments, uh, Miss Good Housekeeping and the comments about her weight lay, uh, you know, did that double down for the Hispanic community or maybe those that had forgotten since months had passed from those first comments that it re-reminded him his attitude toward Hispanics? I think it, it, it because it made uh, it a little more tangible because it was a person as opposed to a general comment, 
I think it validated everything that he had said. So for anyone that was saying, oh, he didn't mean those comments or wanted to believe that, the minute you saw exactly how he treated uh, her and his response to uh, the comments and seeing him on TV the way he treated her, I think it, uh, it really just further validated the earlier comments he had made because I think for some people, I mean, some of this stuff is really hard to hear. You don't want to believe it, actually. And having a face to it and having seen someone who went through it um, really did remind you that this is real and you might want to try and ignore it, but it is true. It is here. And there was something about a young woman who was successful in her seek for Miss Universe and the way he so directly humiliated her and embarrassed her, um, that felt more real, particularly to women, than the general rapists and criminals, and even then different than, you know, Judge Curiel, because it gave you this picture of this young professional woman trying to do her best and really seeing the way he treated her. And with regard to that, you know, my I remember there were times, Amanda, in my life, and I'm certainly nowhere near the level, nor will I ever be most likely ever, of Secretary Clinton. Um, but I know that there were times I felt that, you know, good guys finish last. And, you know, my, my parents, my grandparents would always teach me, and I come from a multi-background, and, and my family always taught me, and I know people cream rises to the top and that's not a race thing you know by white um you know like you know the the, the good person is going to prevail in the end when i see these poll numbers now that's how i feel and i don't just feel that way because i'm a woman and because i'm a democrat and a hillary supporter i feel that way because i just do not feel that i feel donald trump's an embarrassment to the presidential political process and to the gop yeah it's interesting if you were to take the candidates names out of this election cycle, and you would just talk, and you would just actually quote them, their vision, what they've said about other people, what they've said about our country. Um, and even in that last statement, in their debate, where they had a chance to appeal to the American people, if you just took each of their quotes, and you had Hillary Clinton talk about being stronger together, and you had Donald Trump use that opportunity to attack her, and, and use that opportunity to add more negativity I don't think there'd be a question here. Um, and I think that is what makes me so proud to be on this campaign, but it also gives you a picture of what this election is all about. It isn't actually these two individuals. If you look at their vision for America, one is truly recommitting ourselves to who we are as a country and who we've always been as a country. And the other really is an attack machine that goes against anyone that is against him. You are the enemy. And I think that very stark contrast is evident, and, and I agree with you. I really do believe that there is something more in here about the goodness that she has brought over the course of her career, that she has brought to many people as she's fought on behalf of their families, whether it's women and kids, whether it's kids with disabilities, um, whether it's Muslim Americans in this, in, in this election cycle, whether it's immigrants. She really has taken on a battle of kindness and really do good with every skill and every asset you have. Uh, one last question before we take some calls. Are you, because I am, are you surprised that the GOP and so many of them, even though many have pulled their support, have put forth a guy and supported a guy with this type of rhetoric? When you look at the last presidential election, almost 10% or more of that vote was determined by Hispanics. 
Hispanics are the fastest growing segment of the population, ergo the fastest growing segment of the voter population. You know, I don't I don't care if somebody really doesn't like a Hispanic group of people. If you're running for office, you need their vote on a national level. And it's only going to those numbers are going to increase in all elections going forward. So in other words, the GOP's lack of willingness, it would seem, to embrace the Hispanic population and to speak to the issues and values um, of the Hispanic uh, population is is suicide for the GOP. And we're seeing that. Yeah, you know, I am uh, I'm, I'm surprised and I'm not surprised. I am surprised from a Republican establishment who wrote that memo to say we've got to be better to make sure that we're reaching out to communities. I'm not surprised in that I have seen a number of Republicans, when we're actually talking about legislation, really vote against the Latino community for decades. And making that change to say we voted against this kind of thing, whether it's voting rights, whether it's immigration reform, take your pick, to, to go from that base to saying we're going to welcome them and bring them on board, I think you know, it's proven to obviously be tough on the Republican side. But the other piece to it that I really I think we'll all think about after this election is that we would have a system that can produce somebody like uh, Donald Trump so close to the presidency. And that's really on a number of fronts, whether it's how he talks about the growing demographics in our country or how he talks about Russia um, or really how he talks about our domestic economy and whether we're great or not. You know, I think it really is very different and something that we got to think about in terms of our system that somebody like him could get that close. And especially when you think about the founding of our country and the values of our country. Ishmael in Virginia on line three has a question listening on tune in. Uh, quickly, Ishmael, question or comment for our guest? Yeah, my, my comment is that um, Latinos really need to step up because they're the one who's going to determine this election because African Americans are only 13%. And Latinos are the fastest growing population in this country. And when you have John Bullock said that Latinos don't vote, that, that that's really degrading. I mean, it's just it's just... They're going to determine this election. If we, if we, if we, if Hillary wins this election, and we have someone in the Supreme Court, that's the dream act for all Latinos. And you hear it from a Somali who's married to a Latina. You guys are going to determine this election, okay? So, and you must have beautiful children. Ishmael, good comment. Amanda, thank you, thank you for that comment. And we are watching uh, right after uh, Jan put out that that quote. We went out on all of our. Uh, distribution online sites and made sure that folks saw what she said in part to make sure that we are motivating folks to say, let's prove this wrong. We are going to come out and vote. You are going to see us. And the good news is even in a state like Arizona, we are seeing our numbers driven up in a way that we have yet to see them at this point in this election cycle. So I I look forward to being able to have a very strong answer back on November 9th. Okay, and uh, let's see. Um, oh, okay, we were going to take one more, but we didn't have time. Uh, just uh, in a sentence or two, Amanda, what would you like to leave our listeners with? There is no more important thing that we can do over these next two weeks than to get out the vote. And with that, I know we're all going to talk about some bad things that Donald Trump has done, but we have an incredible moment, and let's not let Donald Trump take this moment away from us to let the first female president of the United States and to do it in a way that brings everyone's voices to the table to make it happen. So thank you so much for having me on your show. 
Uh, thank you, Amanda. I'm a great fan of you and your boss. <laughs> Amanda Renteria, the first Latina chief of staff in the history of the U.S. Senate. She is Hillary Clinton's campaign's national political director, and she does a great job. Follow her on Twitter at Amanda Renteria, A-M-A-N-D-A-R-E-N-T-E-R-I-A. The website, HillaryClinton.com. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love.